Hey guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Nerd Stock Movies. My name is Taylor, and I'm going to be your host today. Joining me for this Star Wars-centric episode that I cannot wait to get into is the one, the only, he is the people's champ of Clash of the Stash, Tristan Benz. Tristan, how you doing? Hello there. Man, you had that one in the chamber. Yeah, I had it in the chamber. Yeah, well, <laughs> as you were introducing me, I'm like, now what Star Wars quote am I going to lead off with? But, you know, there was only one real option, and that's, hello there. You know. Now, noting me as the people's champ, that was a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. Because <laughs> uh, normally I'm the only one who acknowledges that title. But uh, I am quite well excited to talk some Star Wars. You know, I have been a Star Wars fan all my life, and I've really enjoyed The Mandalorian over the course of the series, but I'll admit, I just, I was late on this season. I didn't start watching you this me season both, until two days before. I think like we the unique those. perspective that we both have for this episode is we both binged the season. I don't know about you, but it, for me, it was in the span of a day, pretty much. Uh, for me, it was, let me see, because we're recording this on the little behind the scenes action we're recording this on friday i watched the first four episodes on monday and then the next three on tuesday to get caught up yeah and then i was able to watch the finale on wednesday so just in a kind of rapid fire three-day stretch so yeah we're not coming at this from a, oh yeah we've been watching every week we binged it which i'm just gonna go ahead and kind of just get a little bit into my thoughts here i kind of think this season was better if you binged it yeah from what i've heard everyone complaining about on twitter yeah i was like i don't see what the issue is this is fine (laughs) it just it feels maybe the earlier seasons if i went back to watch it i would feel like oh yeah i could see why it's weekly there wasn't a lot here that i was like oh man i cannot wait until next week other than my just general enjoyment of the mandalorian and star wars Mm -hmm. but i mean you know in general though i'm just gonna put out a blanket statement and it might be a hot take it might not be but it needs to be said disney plus is not good at this weekly business no i'm with you on that none of it feels like it's the three feels like they're just doing small movies yeah it like it releases at 3 a.m and then they what they want is they want everybody talking about it on social media all day but I think that actually goes against them. Yeah. And none of it feels like actually like episodic, really. Like made yeah. for, you know, it, it it doesn't feel like they're telling the self-contained stories in the episodes. I mean, they're they're I'll give them this. They're better at it with the Star Wars stuff. Yes, I agree. for sure. But like even with the MCU stuff, like many people have complained, it just feels like they're doing six hour long movies. And to a lesser extent, you can apply that to how they've done the Star Wars shows. Which would be fine if it was bingeable. <laughs> but yeah. Them, I, I agree with you. I think the MCU with their series have been far more egregious when it comes to, oh man, why is this weekly to Star Wars? But even something like Mandalorian here, I think you just look at this season as a whole. And I think we're going to be, I don't want to say lenient on it, but I quite enjoyed it. And when you told yeah. me people haven't been enjoying this season, and I have uh, one of my best friends was telling me like, oh dude, people hated that Jack Black episode. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to talk about it because I thought it was actually pretty fun. 
Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I didn't have, I didn't have beef with it. That's like I saw on on Twitter. Like I said, I you know clearly I wasn't caught up, so I'm just on Twitter one day. And I'm like, and I I see a thumbnail of Jack Black and Lizzo, but I don't pay attention to it all. Like, I don't even read the caption. I'm just scrolling, and I'm like, oh, it's a, is that Jack Black? Like, it I'd see it on the corner of my eye. It doesn't even register really as Jack Black. And then I see it again. I look at. it, I was like, oh, that's Jack Black got this beer. I was like, oh, is that is that Lizzo? I respect that episode for just being all cameos because it starts out with like Jack Black and Lizzo and everybody immediately notices Jack Black. I don't think everybody knows who Lizzo is, but people should. It's another cameo there to where you're like, "Oh, cra- oh shit. Okay, that's I'm, true." And then I'm more pressed slide- why no one was yeah, go well, they slide who you're about to mention. Yeah, they slide Christopher Lloyd in. Why here? was no one mentioning Christopher Lloyd? That was my <laughs> that was the surprise for me, and it wasn't that much of a surprise cuz in the little clip of them of uh Jack Black and Lizzo I saw on Twitter, it was at the end when like, you know, Christopher Lloyd's been arrested. And I was like, "Why is nobody mentioning Christopher Lloyd?" Like this is Jack Black, you can put in anything and he's fucking he's fantastic. Like I I I was aside from the fact that, like, Twitter pulled me out of it, and be like, oh, Jack Black and Lizzo, like, if I just watched the episode, I'd be like, oh, Jack Black and Lizzo, there you go, whatever. Like, they're in it, they're in it. I buy them in the, you know, it's like, okay, they're part of the world. I'll say that. I feel like all three of them did pretty good. Yeah, they all did pretty good, and Christopher Lloyd, to no fault of his own, like, he did well, but I'm like, that's Doc Brown! Like, that's not a Star Wars guy, like, it was breaking my brain. I was like, why is no one mentioning this? (laughs) Yeah, I just I love how they just went. All right, here's Jack Black and Lizzo. Here's the two crazy cameos that we didn't even. I don't even know it was like hyped up at all. It's just yeah, like, I don't they think are. they were advertised. And then they in the same episode, in almost the same <laughs> breath, they go, "Yeah, yeah. Christopher Lloyd's this next scene." Guy. Like, whoa, whoa, yeah, hold on, Doc Brown. Up. Like, I'm sorry, we're not gonna what? Yeah, like, like you're, just, you're not just gonna here. throw this on me. Like he's like, oh, Mendo, we gotta get back. Back to Coruscant! Like, come it's on. It's your kids. Something has to be it's done about your kids. It's your kids, Din. Something's got to be done about your kids. Ah, oh, man. Let's go ahead and get into it, though. You saw the title. You know the deal. Today, we're going to be talking about The Mandalorian Season 3. Here's a synopsis for The Mandalorian Season 3, courtesy of us, because IMDb's descriptions were very minimal and didn't really talk about the season's story. So, here's what we had to say. Quote, Bounty hunter Din Djarin, with the help of his adopted son Grogu, sets out to redeem himself in the eyes of his Mandalorian clan by bathing in the waters of Mandalore. Din is later joined by former Mandalore royalty, Bo-Katan Kryze, to unite their people and reclaim their planet. Meanwhile, the remnants of the Empire continue to amass their forces, end quote. You know, it's a pretty solid synopsis. I'd even put it into ChatGPT either. Man, you know what? ChatGPT can suck my dick. <laughs> I do you? Th- I think it's overrated. I'm I I've never engaged with it. I don't think, I'm I'm done with this AI bullshit. Like that's gonna lead to some serious problems with writers and shit and copyright stuff and plagiarism. Like I'm just I'm not doing it. I'm not engaging. I I refuse to let us become like a pro AI <laughs> like podcast. <laughs> we also NFTs also dumb. So don't come at us with that like it's just it's dumb it's dumb yeah. the only ai here's the thing only ai i want to hear about is ai in star wars there you go because we saw the dangers with christopher lloyd and those machines exactly. exactly we saw the dangers guys i'm really glad you brought that back around 
I mean, hey, if um, if there's one thing I'm going to do, let's talk about Christopher Lloyd, the GOAT, as, as I like to refer to him. And here are some of the cast for the film, along with director and writer credits. This is coming from IMDb. Chapter 17, The Apostate, was directed by Rick Feminua and written by John Favreau. Chapter 18, The Minds of Mandalore, which was directed by Rachel Morrison and written by John Favreau. Chapter 19, The Convert, directed by Lee Isaac Chung. It was written by John Favreau and Noah Clore. Chapter 20, The Foundling. It was directed by Carl Weathers and written by John Favreau and David Filoni. Don't know why I said David. Yeah, I don't know why you said David either. It's like you were a close personal friend. <laughs> <laughs> Carl Weathers directing was a surprise, though. I was, I mean, it was like he didn't, it wasn't like, oh man, this is a terrible episode who directed this. I was like, oh, it's a decent episode. And then yeah, directed it was actually... by Carl Weathers. I was like, oh shit, Apollo directed this one? That was quite good. But chapter 21, The Pirate. Directed by Peter Ramsey and written by John Favreau. Chapter 22, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard and written by John Favreau. Chapter 23, The Spies, directed by Rick Famuyiwa and written by John Favreau and Dave Filoni. And chapter 24, The Return, directed by Rick Famuyiwa and written by John Favreau. Can we exclusively refer to Dave Filoni as David Filoni now? Oh, we can if you want to. <laughs> I'd like to. That's just that's funny. And of course, Star Wars is created by George Lucas. It stars Pedro Pascal as Din Djarin slash the Mandalorian, Katie Sackhoff as Bo Katan Kreese, Emily Swallow as the Armorer, Tate Fletcher as Paz Vizsla, Carl Weathers as Grief Karga, Giancarlo Esposito as Moff Gideon, Katie M. O'Brien as Elia Kane, Amid Ab. Tahi as Dr. Penn Pershing. A long, long time ago, in this galaxy, we got The Mandalorian Season 2. It was a long time ago, wasn't it? It was. It was like 2020. That now, was like, oh man, that was that was year one of the pandemic, of the Panini. It was the four The times. Panera Bread. Oh. Now, <laughs> Jaren and Groku are back after a short pit stop, taking over the Book of Boba Fett. Where the two kind of stole the spotlight from Boba Fett, which was probably for the best, if we're being honest. Besides the point, Din and Grogu are back for more adventures in The Mandalorian Season 3. I had written out a whole quick Season 2 recap for this prelude, but nobody needs that. Everybody listening already knows how we got to this season. So let's just get into it. What are your general thoughts on The Mandalorian Season 3? Um... You know, it's a star for for best and worst. It's a Star Wars show. Like, it's got some of the coolest things in Star Wars, and then there's a lot of it where I'm like, "This is really fucking dumb," but also that's a big part of Star Wars. So I'm just like, "Yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed it. Like, I wasn't. I I don't know that I would have watched it as soon as I did if we weren't recording this episode. Like, I'll be honest, I still haven't watched Andor." Like, I'm I'm a little bit behind. I don't know what it is. I'm, I don't want to say I'm burned out on Star Wars, because, you know, I don't think I'll ever truly be burned out. Like, the original Star Wars is one of my favorite movies of all time. But, you know, I just kind of needed a little bit of break, because it seems like Disney's just, just, it's becoming so much, and it's like, they're making everything connected, and I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like part of the, the fun of it, like, not every, with every connection they make, it's like, the galaxy just gets smaller and smaller. It's like, does everyone know everybody? Like, can we not have, you know... One thing off the side, 
But for better or worse, uh, this season, it does a decent amount of connecting things. And for the most part, I liked the way they connected things. This I was like, oh, okay, like this is fine. I liked seeing more of Bo-Katan. I never watched all the all the way through Rebels, so I never got to her stuff in Rebels. But I really liked her in um, The Clone Wars, and I liked it when Katie Sackhoff reprised her role in Season 2. So I was like, okay, it's nice to see her in Season 3 with a much better wig. And uh, I thought she was great. Thought she and and uh, Mando had uh, some solid chemistry. Um, I liked seeing her her rise as, uh, as as the renewed leader of the Mandalorians. Which uh, and we'll get into this more. I'm sure that's one of the main complaints I saw from people uh, online complaining about how the with this season it felt like Din wasn't the primary Mandalorian. And, you know, I saw the, the, someone on the production side, I, I can't remember who exactly it was saying that it was like, yeah, well now like the Mandalorian doesn't just refer to Din, it refers to like all of the Mandalorians and people were like, well, yeah, well it would have been good to like clarify that before the season. So people don't just go and expect it to be all about Pedro Pascal again. And then you, you know, spend so much time on Katie Sackhoff and these others, but it worked for me. And maybe that's cause I, you know, knew that going into the season after seeing that tweet, but I don't know. I enjoyed this season, and I'm glad it, you know, didn't end with, like, Luke Skywalker showing up. Even though that was great in season two, uh, you know, that it, it, there's nothing, well, knock on wood, it doesn't seem like there's as much for them to immediately backpedal on <laughs> like they did with uh, Book of Boba Fett immediately reuniting Grogu and, and the Mandalorian. Yeah, I quite enjoyed this season. Again, I think binging it was far better than waiting weekly because I can imagine my myself just being like slightly annoyed mm-hmm. if I was watching this weekly. Like, oh man, thirty minute episode, really forty minute? Like, we if you just, I think the problem with the Mandalorian is I don't mind the side quests; they're amazing. Because mm-hmm. to me, this is one of the best. And we talked about Scott Pilgrim last week, which is hilarious, because we kept talking about it being like a video game adaptation that's not yeah. a video game. And this feels like that, too. To where yeah, this has that like, same energy. This has... This is a video game. Like, dude goes well, on and quest it, it and it also gets, gives, like, almost like D&D vibes. Yeah. Like, just any type of role-playing game in general. Like, he's going on all these side quests and like, oh, get this new weapon. Like, oh, get this new vehicle. Like, you know. So I loved all that. It's just I wish they would add on about five to ten minutes worth of the main story, because that's where it feels like I'm missing out on something. You know, oh, that's where it feels like the show's missing out on something a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like also, and I, I know people, especially when Star Wars, that, that I think there's a lot of fan expectations, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of theories that go out there, and I don't, I'm not sure what all the crazy theories were with this season. But I imagine there were a bunch of them. And just for me binging it, I was like, you guys, it feels like you set up things that you're paying off in other shows. And then the Dave Filoni movie they're they're doing. With what seems to be the Mandalorian and Ahsoka and everybody doing, like, we're all coming together to face off against Thrawn. That seems to be what they're doing, which sounds awesome. But you gotta give me something in the Mandalorian. Yeah. Because if I'm just watching The Mandalorian, I feel like that is unsatisfying as hell to be set up with this Thrawn dude for not only this season, but what Ahsoka says in the last season. It seems like she desperately wants to find him for some reason. 
and probably well, kill him. Well, it's because uh, you know from from the end of uh, yeah. Rebels, like what happened to Ezra? Well, I'm just saying for like, yeah, I know like what Thrawn's deal is and Rebels and Ezra. Yeah, and all but that the stuff. Re- regular audience doesn't. Yeah, I'm saying just from the Mandalorian audience, like yeah, y- you, this guy's being built up, and we haven't even seen him yet. And well, and this nothing... is go ahead. I mean, and we'll go tying this back into what we were talking about earlier, like comparing it with Disney Plus. Like, not to once again bring it back to the MC, which we always do, but like it's. I think this is just an effect of maybe Disney because this is a lot of what people have been criticizing the MC about. It's like, oh, it just it just feels like another tie-in to build to something else, like instead of just actually telling a story on its own. It's not that it's doing, it's telling a story that's going to go into other stories. I don't blame that. That's fine. I'm good with that. Mm. I have a problem with them not like living up to what they've teased on their own show that they teased it for. It yeah. doesn't feel complete. Now, don't get me wrong. This this season finale does feel like a makeshift series finale, in a way. But it still feels like there's a lot of loose threads. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that Din and Grogu have a fantastic ending, and you're like, man, if you wanted to end yeah. it there... Yeah, if the show good. ended here, be like, oh, okay. There you go. But there's just a lot of loose threads that I still feel unsatisfied about. Like, even something like Bo and Din, who I don't do this often with shows, mm-hmm. and be like, oh, man, they seem like they're about to get together. The whole season there... Yeah, okay. No, I had that thought. I was like, is there a... Because I don't, you know, I don't like to normally do that either. But yeah, I was like, the shipping like, stuff, like, I, I was actually like, man, I feel like that is going to happen. Like, we're going to get yeah, some like, I kinda feel Beskar something clanking like, going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Just, <laughs> hey, hey, this is the way. Yeah. I'm not saying, like, oh, man, it's because of that it didn't happen, and that's why I'm disappointed. No, I'm disappointed because there's nothing after, like, the battle. There's not even a scene between them. Because in the Spies episode, Den goes to Bowen's like, hey, I'm with you to the end. Alright, I believe in you as the leader here. And then nothing. Like, he just fucks off with Grogu. I'm like, well, alright. Why did you send all... He's like, well, I guess this was the end. Yeah. (laughs) He served until the end. There you go. Got it. Why did you spend all that time building up Grogu and Bo-Katan's relationship, and then also Din and Bo-Katan the whole time, for them just to be like, oh, Bo's just gonna be on Mandalore, and then Din and Grogu are gonna go do a soft reset. No. So we're kind of getting uh, to our thoughts on the finale, but real quick before we get into the finale itself, I want to talk about just more of my general thoughts. And I thought the action was great. I thought there was a lot of great comedy bits. I loved I all agree. the characters, most of the characters at least in this season. I'm not sure who I really disliked, other than the spy on course not. Oh well, yeah, but that was like intentional. You're it was intentional, like but I was and like, she was so good too. I was like, oh, you bit. Like, every time she showed up, I'm like, I got uneasy. I'm like, oh, what's, it, what's, she, what's she up to? You kept waiting for the turn, too. And then it was like, oh, it didn't happen. Oh, it didn't happen. And it was like, oh, it does, it's like, it's oh, like, oh, shit. Is she, it's like, is she, like, she, like, she kind of tricks you. Like, oh, okay. Like, you know what? Maybe she is great. And then you're like, no. It's like, ah, you, you betrayed this nice little nerdy doctor. He just wanted a friend. You just Tell you what, though, this is the same. This is the same woman who was in uh, Ant Man Three: Quantum Media, and one cr- one crime they they perpetrated with her in this season. They didn't get to show off how jacked she is, and that's just rude. Hey, but at least they gave her an actual character. I mean, they gave her an actual character, but I just wish they'd given her a character who had like a sleeveless scene. 
because like her <laughs> guns are incredible and they just need to be just shown off to everyone. Like those are the real blasters. Those are the couple of Death Stars <laughs> we got to be watching out for. You know, like Moff Gideon should have been trying to clone her. Is what I'll say. Uh, fair point, but yeah, man, I, I really liked all these characters for the most part. I don't know. I'm just leaving a little bit open there in case there's somebody like, ah, I didn't like that person. But for the most part, loved all the characters. The comedy was great. The action scenes were great. I think this has had some of the best action of the series. I don't know if I agree with that. At least with the hand-to-hand fights. Like, the stuff that they had man to do. I was like, okay, he's actually, like, throwing... He's beating people's ass. Like, this is... I feel like he was fighting at a level that we hadn't really seen... Uh, you know, in a bit, actually, if ever. Like, he was... Mainly when he was going against uh, the Stormtroopers toward the end. I was like, oh, okay. Like, he's he's kicking some ass. Like, they put him in an almost, like, Daredevil hallway scene. I'm like, okay, he's, like, beating the fuck out of these guys. Like, he's running the gauntlet. It's pretty impressive. Which brings up a question I'm gonna hold off on until we start talking about the finale. About mm. Pedro Pascal. But... Talking about the rest of it here, I think the comedy worked, the action pieces, like I said, were really good. I agree with you about the hand-to-hand combat. I thought that was some of the best in the entire series, if not the best in the, in the entire series. The CGI is starting to get a little bit, like, maybe it's losing its luster to me just because of how mm. good it looks. But it doesn't have that same feeling that I had in season one, season two. That might just be natural. So that's not really yeah. necessarily a fault. I mean, some of, there were moments where someone was like, "Wow, this does look incredible!" Like everything on Coruscant when it's doing like the cityscape, I was like, "Wow, this." I mean, this looks like the movies Coruscant. Like this is great. Yeah. But then you know, some of the sets, it's like you can tell. It's like, all right, that's a very clear like green screen or volume in the background. It's like you know, that's. It, it it is what it's not like they can actually go to space. So it's like all right, whatever, like cool. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't. There was nothing that was so jarring that it took me out of it visually. It was like oh yeah, this is Star Wars. It's always had somewhat questionable CGI. <laughs> I loved Bo Katan's arc. I thought her mm-hmm. being the main focus. I you said a lot of people had issues with it. I quite thought it was fitting for the season oh, yeah. because I thought it was great. It was subverting my expectation of, oh, Bo's going to be the villain. And instead it was Bo kind of just turning from like, because in the first two episodes, you kind of think that's where it's going. She's talking about like, this is the last time he's going to get in my way. And I'm like, oh shit, she's about to turn. Is she about to fucking throw down with, <laughs> yeah. with Dinger in? Because like, I tell you what, I'm going to be on Bo's side. <laughs> and then by the end though, you have Din like, giving his loyalty to Bo, and that feels like an earned moment because the two spent so much time together throughout the season. I think my big criticism when it comes to the season-long story is that it became too much of, we gotta fix some things we set up in season two and some stuff that did not go through, Mm -hmm. and then we gotta pivot to some other things, and it just, it felt like this was a, we gotta get back in the right direction. Because we had to cancel some things. Some yeah. things are now becoming a movie. Some characters are no longer in the show. Some there's actors some, there's are some getting brought correction. in. Just, there's so much going on, and it feels like this was a get-right season. And it feels like Din was the character who got screwed over by that, because mm-hmm. he doesn't need a whole lot to do, I think. I think the story, like the complaint with season two was, oh, Din really didn't change that much. I think that's overblown considering a lot of his arc was already done in season one. And this yeah. was just, season two was just 
driving that home. So I don't think you really have to do too much with Din Djarin as a character because he is already likable and he's the main focus of the show for the most part. He's who we're seeing and who we're rooting for. But I feel like he should have been more involved in the Mandalore plot. And Mandalore, I feel like, has so much potential that they solved in one season. Yeah. And that's a little disappointing to me, I would say. Oh, I mean, hey, we'll see if they come back for the movie, which I'm sure they will. Yeah. But getting into the finale, what are your thoughts on it? I thought it was a really fun season overall. I thought it was a great finale. My initial thought about the finale, I just, I, I just gotta, I just gotta jump right into it. So you're telling me, <laughs> you're saying to me that Moff Gideon's whole plan, all these three seasons, was to basically combine the Mandalorians and the Jedi and whoever the hell else into an Iron Man armor. <laughs> that is. The dumbest thing I've ever fucking heard, and I was so in. I was like, alright, this is dumb as shit, but hell yeah. And it, I'll be honest, his armor looked dope. I thought the little horns yeah. at the top of his helmet looked dumb. I was like, that's supposed to be like a, a um, Darth Maul type of thing. Shit, I can't remember the planet. What's the planet? What's the species Darth Maul is? Because he's not the only one with, with the horns. Like, I know what you're a, talking it's about. It's thing. a species, yeah. But yeah. he took that over was like, yeah, so is that supposed to be like a, a a reference to that? Like, is that what we're we're you know doing? Uh, no, I I thought that was real dumb, but it was real fun. Now, and Giancarlo Esposito, as we know, god tier actor. Is it just me, or did it partially feel like he was kind of phoning it in a little bit in some parts? If that's him phoning it in. He really is a god tier actor because he's just really right. Bad. Well, it was mainly during like the the other council meetings. We desperately needed Moff Gideon to be sidelined this entire season. I think mm-hmm. because I, I know what they want is they want Thrawn to be the main threat and they want a Gideon off the board as he should be. Thrawn should be yes, the main as threat. he should be as he should be. However, for somebody who's been the antagonist for the first two seasons. And somebody who's as good of an actor as Giancarlo Esposito, I do feel like it was basically like, let's go ahead and wipe this character off the board. Hopefully now he's wiped off the board, because I can't imagine him coming back after being defeated for three seasons in a row. I mean, undefeated loser. (laughs) True. (laughs) Like, this man just back-to-back L's. Speaking of the, the council meeting, though, with the other Imperials, shout out to my boy, Admiral Paleon, Thrawn's number one homie. As, as soon as I saw that mustache, and just, as I said, I haven't watched all the Rebels, so I've never gotten to Thrawn and Rebels. Really, I haven't engaged with any Thrawn content that in, that's in the current continuity. You know, I've, I own the Thrawn uh, books for the new continuity, I just haven't gotten around to them. So my love of Thrawn comes from the, you know, Era of the Empire trilogy, and then the, um, the Hand of Thrawn duology. Like, I... So, I, I like the, that old-school Thrawn. And as soon as I saw that fucking mustache, it's like, is that my boy Paleon over here? It's like, is that my fucking... Is that my fucking homie? Who we get a lot of POV from in the books? It's like, you know what? Maybe not all Imperials are evil. He just genuinely thinks he's doing what's best for the galaxy. And, God, he was... What a, what a character. And as soon as I said, oh, it's Paleon, I was like, ah, oh, I knew it! I, that mustache gave it away! So that was very exciting for me, uh, personally. Yeah. And and everyone's dogging. I was like, hey, get off my boy. They're like, oh, well, you keep talking about Thrawn, but never come. Like, hey, 
If he says Thrawn's coming, he's Thrawn's coming. All right, just fucking back off, Chief. I want to talk about that council real quick, but first I want to mention like Gideon's been the villain past three seasons. He got killed supposedly at the end of this finale. He can't come back. I would imagine just because of that. So I don't think he mailed it in. I think it's a case of the character being overexposed, Mm. which sucks because the talent like Giancarlo Esposito is an actor. And for, it seems like he loves the star Wars universe. It does suck that, he kind of got overexposed like that to where I don't want to see him again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm like, all right, he can. I think it was what, fine, what sent but... it, it was fine. I, I don't know. Maybe him phoning it in isn't the right word. I, I guess he felt more like he was hamming it up a little bit, you know, and not necessarily in a bad way. I don't know. He felt more, and this is funny since he now has his character has shaved his mustache. He felt more like mustache twirly. Like he was just like, ah, now like, obviously he's been a straight up villain the whole time, but I don't know. It felt like he had more, I don't know, not gravitas, but there was, it felt like there was a bit more calculation or something. I don't know. I guess, well, I guess maybe it was like, it's cause you weren't quite sure what his plan was. You know, it's like, oh, what is, what's he playing? What's it? And then when it's just revealed, oh, I'm making an Iron Man suit. It's like, oh. Yeah, and he wants to clone himself with the Force. Yeah, I was like, oh. So this comes to my question here about the finale, which is, does this show set up viewers for disappointment, or is it on the fans? I think it's a mix of both. I do think Star Wars fans, they do set themselves up for a way too convoluted and complex story. Yes. But at the same time, I do think the show sets up a lot here that doesn't get paid off with the promise of, yeah, I'll watch Ahsoka and watch the Dave Filoni movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, I agree, but even with what the show, like, what we can agree the show is setting up, I still think the stuff it's guilty of setting up with most is the stuff that would appeal more to the fans who are already setting themselves up for disappointment if that makes sense like if i just tell my mom to pop on mandalorian season three find great wonderful she's not gonna think twice about like oh well now i gotta keep up and go to you know the ahsoka show or whatever oh now i gotta go watch fucking i don't know what's another show that's gonna be connected to this let's pretend andor season two is connected she's like oh she's not gonna think oh i gotta go watch andor season two like it's just the general audience, I feel like, wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, who's Thrawn? I can't wait to find out. I gotta go to Ahsoka. They're just like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll find out in a Mandalorian Season 4 or whatever, you know? Yeah, and while I did read, like, John Favreau's already written Mandalorian Season 4, don't know when that'll be, though, because talking about Pedro Pascal here, Pedro Pascal's starting to get busy. Busy man. As booked and busy as he should be. As he should be, but the thing is, is I don't want to lose him from this show because he, to me, like you talked about, yeah, the, the whoever it was talked about like the Mandalorian is more than just Din Djarin. Yeah, mm-hmm. true, but that's why people watched the show initially was because of Din, and then because of Grogu. The thing is, everybody always brings up, oh, Baby Yoda, Grogu, that's the reason people watch the show, is that relationship with him and Din. No, people initially watched the show because it was a bounty hunter show with this random Mandalorian that was unconnected to the Skywalker saga. 
They found that interesting and cool. Yep. And then at the end of the and first episode, we were fucking surprised. It was a twist. And I, I do agree. And this may be a false equivalency because it's not like he was a title character. But, I mean, think about season one of, of Game of Thrones. Like, how many people who didn't read the books or didn't care about the books or whatever? How many people were coming in and like, oh, that that's Sean Bean? Like, I guess this is a real thing. Then let me watch. And he's quickly like, I mean, in season one, we can say Ned Stark. He's pretty much the main character, I would argue. Uh, like, he's the main draw for a lot of people. And then in season one, he's dead. And the whole show is about like, oh, what to do without this guy. So if they were to take the Mandalorian in a direction where it's everyone, every other Mandalorian except for Din, like, I don't know. I don't think it's impossible. I do agree with you that I think it would lose a lot of the appeal for the general audience. But I think they could still do something pretty cool if they want to make, you know, like Bo-Katan the primary Mandalorian. Or if, you know, I, I feel like this was after... It was after season one or maybe even just after season two, but there was speculation that like each season would be about like a different Mandalorian, you know, like they could take it that direction. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, possible, but I do wonder if Pedro Pascal's time as Din Djarin might be, I don't want to say coming to an end, but more so scaling it back a bit, mm. considering he's not in this season. Like he doesn't take his helmet off. Yeah, at all this entire season, and I wonder how much he's actually on set. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people say like, "Oh, he just only did voice work." I haven't seen anyone like provide actual sources to confirm that, but I've seen a shitload of people like, "Oh, he wasn't on set once." So it's like I don't know. I mean, if he could do just voice work like that, I'd be down for that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think if that is the case, they need to do a better job about crediting the physical performer. Because mm-hmm. um, the but, body, what Din Djarin's performance is solely based on the voice acting of Pedro Pascal and the body language of the physical performers for playing Din Djarin on set. So yeah, you would need to credit those people and do a better job of like showing, hey, there's two people basically playing Din Djarin. But at the same time, I think it could be done because of how great, if it is true that Pedro Pascal wasn't on set this season. How great the physical performance playing Den were this season. And Pedro yeah, Pascal's voice. Because that's one thing everybody's been saying for three seasons now. Like how impressive it is for him to convey these emotions and be so likable without the audience seeing his face. Yeah, no, he's been... I, there are, I didn't necessarily even think, like, oh, uh, Pedro hasn't taken off his helmet once. He He must not be here. I didn't even really see those tweets or think about it until after the finale. I was like, huh, wow. Well, if that's the case, then whoever was physically performing Mandalorian, like they nailed it because I never once like didn't buy that performance. I was like, oh wow. No, like he's, I was like, they're, they're doing a lot of emoting to get past the fact that they can't like show their faces at all. It's like, this is really interesting. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the direction of Mandalorian after season three? Well, I saw, a rumor saying that like, oh, season four will be about him teaming up with the uh, Carson Teva, the the Alliance pilot, like to, to hunt down the uh, Imperial remnants. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. Like it, like you said, it's a good like soft reset. Like not necessarily like a palate cleanser because I was, you know, I wasn't necessarily having a sour taste in my mouth with the rest of the show. But it's like, okay, new status quo, like somewhat similar to his original one but with a more like stable and and 
clearly more morally aligned uh standpoint now that he's got Grogu to watch after it's like oh okay this is this is fine yeah sure I guess I'd watch another season of this but also it's like well if they just want to end it and just give like a Mandalorian's you know Mandalore show it's like oh okay sure that that could work too like if we never saw the titular Mandalorian again it'd be like oh okay that's fine like they got a good ending like I'm not you know I'm, I'm not one of those people like oh I need to know what happened with Din and Grogu I'm like oh, okay they're father and son now cool and they're happy great like, I'm good. You know, if there was no Mandalorian season four, I'd be fine. I think for me, this ending confused me more than anything. And why I'm more like conflicted about the season as a whole, because mm-hmm. up to this point, I was like, man, this is a really good season. It was a lot of fun. And we're going to talk about a lot of the episodes we liked, a lot of the action scenes we like here in a minute. But the ending where they do the soft reset. We're like, we're going back to where we were in season one. He's going to be a bounty hunter. He's going to be doing all these side quests. I just went, seems unnecessary. Seems like you've moved past that. Like, we didn't, I don't think we needed to go back to where we were at the beginning of season one. And it felt like we moved just completely backwards here. And I'm wondering why. Like, it would not surprise me if... There's no evidence, as far as I know, there's no evidence of this. But it would not surprise me if there was some studio meddling between yeah, season two and that, season but... three. Because there was something about Din and Grogu meeting back up in Book of Boba Fett that just felt like, while appreciated, a little bit of disjointed. Mm-hmm. And then this season, some things happen, and then when you get to the finale, I couldn't help but think, you know, if Din and Grogu finally met back up and reunited around the pirate episode or like episode four, this probably would feel a lot more meaningful. Yeah. But instead it just felt like, eh, well, that's nice. It's like, oh, okay. But yeah, man, I'm with you on it being a soft reset. I just, I don't think it was needed at all, really, but I guess we will be getting more adventures with Din and Grogu, so that's cool. Maybe it does tie into the Dave Filoni movie with him tracking down Imperial remnants that end up being the council members, and then it can end up leading the Thrawn, and then he meets back up with Ahsoka, and we get this Avengers Star Wars style t- team up, which I'm very excited for. But I don't know. If the that... reason I'm disappointed by it is it feels like this was a season of setup after a season of setup, mm-hmm. and then a Boba Fett show that. Din took the fucking spotlight from, and you went, oh shit, this is going to have a bunch of stuff in Mandalore, it seems like we're setting up for something massive here in season three. Not really. And not only that, like, season two was in 2020. Mm-hmm. Three years ago, it's just, it feels like this show should matter more than what the plot is giving it. I mean, there's a reason why I didn't watch it until we had to do this podcast, you know? Yeah. I was like, ah, I don't really care. Like, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it as I was watching it. Like, I don't think it was bad. I think, like I said, it's it's very Star Wars. It's some really cool shit, and there's really dumb shit. Then, there you go. You know? Which sounds like a cop-out, but that kind of is what Star Wars has always been. Talking about the really dumb shit, you, talk, you look at the droids in the finale. That is fucking hilarious. That's awesome. Wherever R5's trying to fix the, uh, 
shields. Oh yeah, for Dan. And then and like then the, the mouse droids come up and <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's like that's great. I love. It's this. stupid, but it's exactly what Star Wars is sometimes, and it's exactly what it should be. Like the episode with uh, Jack Black and them. And then you have the prequel droids. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was Dude, I, whenever I they popped up, I was just laughing immediately. I was like, fuck yes. When Christopher Lloyd was like, Count Dooku was in his prime. I'm like, all right. All right. He was an elderly, elderly man. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was he was as old as father time. Like, I love Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee, one of the greatest actors of all time. One of the coolest people of all time. If you don't know about his life, go research his life. Like, James Bond was partially based on him, and he was a Nazi hunter, and he had a fucking, like, metal band. Like, he was just incredible. But, let's call a spade a spade here. Count Dooku, like, his school yearbook was a stone and tablet. Alright? Like, this man... He was not in his prime. He was in his prime years ago when he was with the Jedi. Uh, but, yeah. So, I, I don't, anyway, it was a cool, like, tie back to the prequels. I was like, oh, you're a separatist. I'm like, you know, the, the, the war may have, the Clone Wars may have been manipulated by Palpatine to gain power. That much is true. But... There were people that did genuinely believe in, like, separating from the Republic and whatnot. So it's cool that that, like, that is still a, a, a form of politics that is boiling under the surface somewhere in the Star Wars universe. Because, you know, not all the Separatists wanted to be Imperials. Like, there were people who were genuinely fighting for that belief. And, you know, you never really get to see what happens to that after. Because it goes right into, alright, now it's the Empire. So it's like, okay, well that's even worse, you know? And Clone Wars goes into that, too, to where you see some Separatist people and you're like, well, I can kind of see their point. And then you yeah. look at the Republic and what it's become and you're like, well, yeah, this is a bunch of just bureaucrats. Yeah. Well, it's the... It's, bunch of bullshit here. It's it's when they do the the few episodes the the animated series to justify how, <laughs> like, the beginning of episode three, it's like, there are heroes on both sides, when so far, all you've seen of the Separatists are Count Dooku and General Grievous. You're like, where yeah. are the heroes? Because <laughs> they are committing a lot of murder. <laughs> Let's move on, though, to our favorite and least favorite episodes. Here we can kind of talk more about, like, what we loved, some of the action sequences, stuff like that. A lot of the finale, I did really love. The action scenes on action Mandalore were fucking... It was great. The jetpack scenes were really fucking cool. Yep. The stuff with R5 was hilarious. You had some moments with Din and that hallway fight that you talked about earlier that I thought was mm, awesome. That was really cool. Bo and Din teaming up to take down Moff Gideon I thought was really cool too. And the Darksaber getting destroyed, by the way, which that I didn't see that coming. I think that's a good move. Yeah, I was kind of, I was, I was kind of glad. I was like, you know what? I'm, kinda, I'm glad. I'm tired of hearing about this. So like, let's, yeah, great. I'm happy about it because the show didn't seem to care about it as much as everybody else did. Yeah. They cared about it as a plot device for who rules Mandalore. And what I thought they would care about it more is, hey, we can use this in a lot of action sequences. And they and refused they to fucking use this thing, but like three times the entire season. So when it got yeah. destroyed, I was like, okay, it fits the theme of Mandalorians are stronger as a people and they need to get rid of these trinkets that divide them. So I like that. That's cool. But in terms of the best episodes, I think the finale was really good. The Spies was one of my favorite episodes in the entire season. 
actually did enjoy the Jack Black episode. I thought it was a bunch of crazy. Stuff. I also enjoyed the Jack Black episode. Yeah. The pirate was pretty good, too. That was the one where the Mandalorians team up, take down the pirates. Which mm-hmm. was set up in the first episode. I would actually say my only episode, the only episode I disliked would probably be the premiere. Yeah, I, and I, just thought it was, eh. I just didn't care. Yeah, it was just meh. Like it was, it wasn't bad, but like that was watching that. I was like, this is not like I. I almost texted and was like, I Taylor, I don't care. I don't want to be. <laughs> I don't want to. Like, can we do a different sport talk? Because this is not grabbing me so far. But you know, I watched the first. One, I was like, oh okay. Like it's you know, it it's getting there. Like I said, wasn't bad. It just you know, it's like all right. That part cool. where Katie Sackhoff's just in the throne. Yeah, I was like, I was cool. I was like, I like her. Just sitting on it, I'm just like, alright. Like, you can tell this villain arc's about to get going. And then again, it, the subversion of it is really well done. Yeah, I would... I'm trying to think, what other... Oh, hold on, wait, what do we have last year? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We're, you're missing an episode. Which one? Fuck, which one are you missing? Because we got the Apostate, the Mines of Mandalore, the... You have the the, the 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 foundling? Do you have the foundling listed? Yeah, you you missed nah, the foundling. I don't have the foundling. Here. Which one was the foundling? I don't. Oh, was that the one with like the drag? They're like, oh, we gotta go save this fucking kid from the dragon. I think so. yeah, that's. I the didn't care about you... that. I didn't care about that. I'll put that out there. I I I was like, damn, that dragon was just trying to take care of its babies. That's fucked up. But then like, oh, we're gonna take care of the babies. So like, oh, okay. Well, thank you for answering that for me because I did have that thought. I was like, damn, those babies are gonna starve. But what did they do with them? Because now they're on Mandalore. Did they bring him to Mandalore? We don't see him again. Little little baby baby bird dragon things. Are they all right? They're foundlings. Like I hope yeah. they're taking care of them. Are they gonna take the the creed? <laughs> you gonna stick them in giant <laughs> awesome. Mandalorian helmets? You know one of my favorite parts about this season are though, it's everything with Bo after she sees the Mythosaur. Oh yeah. Because I was with Bo the whole time. Because I'm like Din. You're like, bro, take idiot. off your damn helmet. Take off your damn helmet. Like, you're kind of like, I-, I know where your group came from. You're part of a cult. <laughs> it was mainly like, I was like, take off your helmet. I don't see Pedro Pascal. <laughs> However, when she, she sees, sees the mythosaur, mythosaur you're like, oh shit. I get why she has this, like, crisis of faith because she's like, that's not supposed to happen. And she doesn't tell Din about it because Din would be like, oh, I told you. <laughs> you like, what? Like, you, you see that and you're like, shit, this might be the way. Side note about that scene. When Din falls in the water, at first, I thought he got dragged. I was like, oh, you're telling me his dumb ass just got <laughs> sucked down? <laughs> like, just gravity took hold and he and like he just not that strong a swimmer? Because <laughs> that, he looked like, he fell with a quickness. Like, yeah, it didn't did. look like, I mean, I, I don't know. I've never worn Beskar armor into a, in a, to a pool of water, but I feel like if you're slipping and like gravity's taking hold, like the moment you're being pulled down by gravity, you'd think there'd be more like thrashing. You know what I mean? Like a, you'd still probably be falling because it's very heavy, but like the moment he got pulled down, it didn't feel like like it felt like it was an intentional, like something was yanking him down. He didn't have time to like thrash and try and sc- scramble. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know if I'm explaining myself clearly. It feels like if he was just falling, you would have seen more breaking of the surface of the water, like before he fully sunk, instead of just immediately like rocketing him down to. He how did he get to the ground before Bo Katan did with the jetpack going? <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. 
like, well, obviously not. Clearly, he fell first. Who would have gotten there before? But you know what I mean? Like, it seemed like he hit the ground faster than Bo-Katan did, even like from the time. But it seemed like by the time Bo-Katan was underwater, he was already like down at the bottom. Yeah. You know, that's what I. That's the thing that confused me. The speeds at which he was falling, I just, I, I don't understand. Yeah, I totally get you. But back to Bo- Bo-Katan here in her story. It's probably my favorite part of the entire season because that crisis of faith, it feels justified, it feels earned, and the whole season is building like, okay, she walked past of this exiled Mandalorian who is claiming to be the true ruler of Mandalore despite not having that Darksaber, which is so important, supposedly. And then she loses her people, and she's exiled basically again. And then she has to walk this new path that is Din's people. And she kind of has this crisis of faith because she saw the Mythosaur. So by the time she gets the Darksaber back, by the time she actually reclaims Mandalore with Din, it feels not only like a massively earned moment to me, but mm-hmm. it feels as if she is the actually rightful ruler of Mandalore because she's the one who's walked both paths. Yeah. Din hasn't. The, and the Din, bridge between the peoples. Yeah, and Din hasn't. Din as a character at this point, I think we are pretty much convinced he's not going to. He doesn't I don't want think he's to. yeah, unless something crazy no happens that destroys his fate. I don't think we're gonna be seeing Din without his helmet anymore. I just don't I thought that might be where we're going for this season, but I actually do appreciate where we went more than where I was expecting. See, it's not like me just going, Oh, it's not what I wanted, so I hate it. It's me going, why did you set some of these things up and then tell the audience you'll pay it off later for the second season in a row? Well, and then there's a couple things that they set up and then immediately don't, like, do anything with. Like, with, uh, they're like, oh, you now have a home on Navarro. Then that episode, all right, we're going to go to Mandalore. So it's like, what? Like, you guys just, you literally just said, all right, we're going to live on Navarro. And now it's like, we're going to Mandalore, baby. It's like, I mean, cool, like. I'm glad go take Mandalore. It was dope, but it's just a very like immediately like done. All right, we're f- fuck Navarro, you know. Yeah, and it kind of feels like a little pointless, other than the setup that Din now has a home on Navarro. Yeah, which he already had. Yeah. <laughs> like Grief Cargo was already like, hey, you can live here. Like we're homies. <laughs> the IG Eleven stuff I thought was really good throughout the season. Yeah. Whenever it comes to like giving Grogu like a vehicle, basically, yeah, I like that. And then they, uh, excuse me, sorry. Then they immediately undercut that. It was like, all right, IG eleven, IG twelve's a thing now, so no more little walkie man for Grogu, which was weird that he was riding around in essentially a corpse. But <laughs> well, it's more. I like what Grease explanation was i think it was a good one to kind of like get the audience behind it just think of it as a vehicle all right don't think about it too hard and not only that <laughs> yeah. having the immediate like response to it being grogu being a child and then yeah, just be no. the yes. most frustrated parent like oh my god i regret this no that was adorable so that was all awesome i do really like how they brought ig living back as the marshal I don't think it was one of those reveals that was like, oh, fuck yeah. It was just, oh, all right. It feels like a natural progression where we should go. Uh, Anything else about favorite episodes, favorite moments? Anything Uh, like huge? Like the Coruscant episode I thought was really good as a standalone thing. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, Nothing really 
huge I want to point out. Other just in general, like I, I did enjoy the action. I keep thinking about not just the final like fight scene with like all the Mandalorians versus the Dark Troopers, like with the jetpacks. Which yes, that was fuck yeah. fucking dope. Yeah. But in general, I really liked the way this season they incorporated, because you have so many Mandalorians, the way they incorporated the jetpacks into their fighting style. I thought that was uh, really cool. Um, and like Paz Vizsla, I think, was an underrated character. Overall. I think he was dope. His death is one of my favorite deaths in the history of Star oh, Wars. thank you, because that reminds me. This is something I want to bring up. How come every time the Praetorian guards show up, it's like they're entering a music video in slow motion <laughs> in their smoke? Like, they're on a fucking CW promo, and then they kill someone, and then they walk away at the same speed. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, guys? Why are you so theatrical about this? Like, why just commit the homicide and be done with it instead of going? Doom, 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 doom. I mean, they look cool doing it, but which you know, uh, going off of, of that and tying back with the action, how we were saying this, some of the most creative. I do like how it gave almost John Wick vibes, like when they when he's facing the guys with like the super strong armor, how they have to gear their attacks toward, like, the neck and the joints or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, how every time Din has to shoot one, like, he has... In that final fight where he's protecting, or, and well, he and Grogu are protecting each other from the Praetorian Guards. Like, that final person he kills, like, he puts the gun, like, under the helmet and fires. Like, I just thought shit like that was, uh, was really yeah. cool. Fight choreography was off the charts this season. Yeah, the choreography was dope this season. That, I think that was... That's my major, you yeah. know... Takeaway. <laughs> that, and it was a genuinely really fun season. Mm-hmm. Anything else that was great in the season that we didn't really get a chance to talk about? Bring back Captain Bombardier. I want to see Jack Black in, uh, in, in more things. Also, the idea that Jack Black was an Imperial is just fucking hilarious to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, get us, give me a Captain Bombardier like short story comic or like flashback or something. I just want to see him wearing the Imperial uniform. Like, is he, did he have that beard then? Like, what was he, what was it like? That's all I want to know. But other than that, yeah, no, I mean, I enjoyed the season. It's, you know, like I said, or like we both said, it was better binging it. It wasn't anything that I'm like, Oh man, I need season four. But it's like, I didn't regret spending the time I I did watching this show. So that's, you know, that's a plus. Same. I I know I've said this countless times, but it's the best thing I can say about it. It was genuinely fun. All eight episodes. I just wish there was about ten more minutes in each one. That's pretty much my only massive complaint I could actually make. And in general, I feel like a lot of the complaints we're applying to this can just be applied to a lot of Star Wars in general, which is why I say this is the most Star Wars show. Like, oh, it's real fun. Wish there was a little bit more with the story. But, mm, and it's been that way since you know, arguably Return of the Jedi, depending on who you ask. Before we go, I want to talk about two things. Thrawn and Ahsoka. Oh, actually, three things. Thrawn, Ahsoka, and Dave Filoni's Star Wars movie. So everything that this show, and really everything Star Wars TV related has set up, I think, for the past few years. What are your thoughts on Thrawn, Ahsoka, and the Dave Filoni Star Wars movie? After seeing The Mandalorian Season 3. I mean, my thoughts on Ahsoka have not changed. Because they have, she didn't really 
come into play into this at all. Like, I'm looking forward to it. I'll watch it. I love the Ahsoka character. Like, I'm, yes, I'm, and you, since we've, since the last time we talked about it, like, the trailers dropped, and I was like, okay, dope. Didn't realize Ray Stevenson was going to be in it, so hell yeah, I'm extra in. Um, I'm still excited for Thrawn to show up for all the reasons I mentioned earlier, just with my love of the the Legends Thrawn stuff and my boy Admiral Paleon, one of the most fucking... i tell you what, I don't stand a lot of war criminals. You know, it's just not good for the brand. <laughs> but <laughs> but Admiral Paleon, like that's that's my guy. That's my that's my dude right there. If there's one low level war criminal bureaucrat that I'm gonna get behind, <laughs> it's Admiral Paleon. Um so that's exciting. Uh and they've confirmed Lars Mickelson as, you know, coming back to play Thrawn in live action, so that's exciting. It's a very talented actor. Uh so that's cool. Looking forward to that. The Dave Filoni Star Wars movie, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, clearly, they've been building to something, so I'm interested in seeing what that's going to be. But I have, I guess, mixed feelings. I saw someone say that since Filoni like, took over the live-action shows a lot, but it feels like him just bashing his toys together, which I can kind of see that argument. Um, he did amazing things with the Clone Wars and from what I've seen, did some solid work with Rebels, and, you know, he's done some solid work with The Mandalorian, but at the same time, it is like, alright, like, we're making everything connected, like, if everything's connected, then the galaxy doesn't feel as big and vast as it used to, and I, I, I don't know. Okay, so, talking about everything being connected, I think what this mm-hmm. is, is Filoni trying to do what he did with Clone Wars. Yeah. And that is fixing a lot of the problems of the prequel trilogy. And I think he's trying to do that with the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Here's the, well, here's the other thing about like the delay the delay the, the delay falada da da. <laughs> the David Filoni <laughs> Star Wars movie. You know, close friend of the show, David Filoni. Um <laughs> If Thrawn is the bad guy, it is gonna be this big, huge thing. Yes. Then, as it should be. As it should be, because Thrawn is like when I read the Star Wars, you know the 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 heir to the Empire series, like Thrawn is the fucking goat. Like this dude is awesome. By everything I've researched, it sounds like people talk about Thrawn. Like, oh, if Thrawn didn't get taken out in Rebels, the Empire probably would win. Yeah, no, Thrawn. Thrawn has that dog in him. Thrawn is him. Thrawn is that guy. Whatever you want to call him, like that's Thrawn. His only real, like, downfall is that he just does not understand the Force. <laughs> he's just like, I don't get this. He's like, this is dumb. Like, <laughs> he's just so, he's so calculating. He's like, I, I can't. I can't with this. This is mumbo-jumbo. Like, it's stupid. But if he's the big villain, then I find it hard to believe that with as much of a threat as he represents to the New Republic and whatnot, I find it hard to believe that we're not going to see... Luke, Leia, and Han in the big Dave Filoni movie. Like, realistically speaking, like, come on. They're, that's a big deal. And I don't want them to CGI their faces. And I just feel like that's what's going to happen. Like, just ha- bring back Alden Ehrenreich. Get the guy who's just doing the body for Luke. Just have him be Luke. Get 
uh, Billy Lord, you know, uh, who's already in the Star Wars universe, but it doesn't matter. Like, just get her to replace her mom yeah. as, as Leia. Like, she's a solid actress. Like, just do some tasteful recasting. Yeah, I think everybody do some tasteful recasting. We don't need bring back fucking Donald Glover as Lando. What happened to our Lando show? Like, come on, bro. Like that. That's Sebastian I'm... Stan was the fan cast for Luke, and I, I think we're probably too far. Yeah, we're gone too we're, for that. We're past that, but, but like. You know, just fucking do some taste for recasting. Because don't get me wrong, I would love to see Luke and Leia talk to Ahsoka. We're just not there yet, technology. And I'm not sure we ever will be, at least for us. I don't think we should. I don't think we should be. At least not with Carrie Fisher. Like, don't use it to bring back dead people. That's freaky and it's tasteless. Let just Billy Lord play her mom or recast her. But otherwise, I don't know. I'm just not... Just do some tasteful recasting if, in fact, they are going to be in the, the the Dave Filoni Stars movie. Which, you know, I'll still go see, obviously, but, like, I have some reservations. Yeah. I think Dave Filoni's biggest problem is he's trying to fix too much and tell a story at the same time. And And I agree, and I think that may be... You know, I keep saying, like, oh, it feels like everything is connected. I think that may be my... I guess problem maybe part of why I wasn't, you know, as, as excited for the season and whatnot. And maybe partially why I didn't go back to Andor. It like, it doesn't feel like we're telling, we're getting new stories in Star Wars. It seems like we're getting stories that explain stories that have already happened. Yeah. Which is good for the movies that didn't really make sense. Yeah. Because given us that context, but when it comes to, Okay, the Mandalorian. This is going to be this new exciting story, and now it's being used to fix stories of the past, which is cool. Yeah. But what are we going to do for the future of Mandalorian? Yeah. And even with the soft reset, it seems like we're still trying to fix. In my opinion, I think they're going to be basically doing the Rangers of the New Republic stories. There. Yeah. So they're trying to fix a canceled show. And like, I loved Obi Wan. I loved Obi-Wan. I was, I fucking loved it so much. Like it did damn near brought me to tears, but that's also like a character we've seen before, like going, it's Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. Like that is star Wars, you know, like, so that wasn't necessarily new. Uh, I feel like the last, and you know, the people want to hate on me for this come at me. It feels like the last time we got something that was really like quote unquote new was with The Last Jedi. Whether or not people liked it, that's not the conversation. Right, that's a different conversation. But it feels like that was the last time a storyteller was like, all right, we're going to try something new. We're going to take this in a new, unexpected direction. And then, again, whether you like it or not, Rise of Skywalker comes in, immediately pivots, quote-unquote, course corrects, whatever you want to call it. Feels like it's like trying to do away with or explain things from the last movie. And it just feels like we've been in that cycle since then of like, all right, we're just explaining things that have already happened instead of going forward with a new trajectory and new yeah. things. Which there's parts of what Dave Filoni's work has done with the Mandalorian and with appears what Ahsoka's doing with rebels and clone wars and all that stuff where they go in new directions that are exciting. Like the, uh, what is it called? The space between or the world between. Mm hmm. I was like, sure, we've got time travel in Star Wars now. That's fucking dope. Let's explore that. And maybe that's where we're going with Thrawn in that movie. It's just, it feels like we're doing so much to also fix stuff that 
happens 30 years from now in the chronology of the Star Wars universe. Where it's yeah. like, okay, I know what you're doing, but focus a little bit less on that. Focus more on the now. Like, what is Thrawn yeah. doing? Like, what is Project Necromancer? That's uh, to me. I think that's obviously Palpatine. That's Palpatine and Snoke and all that crap. Yeah, but it's also just a cool fucking name. But like, how much of what they're you know trying to explain away and whatnot? Like, who is that really for? Because sure, like, okay, what are you explaining it to? Like the fans like us who watch all the star Wars shit or for most of it. And you're like, okay, great, cool. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. But like at a certain point, the star Wars fans, like who you're explaining to, they're either already going to be on board or they're not like they either want to, it's star Wars. They either want to like the thing or they don't. So sure. If they're receptive to whatever explanation you're giving, that's probably because they already liked the thing in the first place. Like, I don't know that anyone's going to be able to get... I don't know that you can really sway a Star Wars fan's opinion. No, I, I think you can. I think there is a contingent of the fan base who are also like, hey, if you can explain it away... I think Clone Wars, it's had such a positive impact on, I think, Star Wars, the prequels, at least. To where See, people can look back at it who have seen Clone Wars and went, you know, this wasn't as good... But Clone Wars really makes it to where I can go back at the prequels and look at it with a better eye. Sure, but I feel like for the most part, that's just... Like, the people who are going back and looking at the prequels with a, with a more positive eye are the people from our age range who grew up watching those anyway. True. And was like, oh, these are dumb kids movies. We're dumb kids. We like this regardless. And then you get old and you're like, eh, that's not great. You watch the Clone Wars. Like, oh, okay, it's good again. Like, I don't necessarily know that, like an adult who went to see the prequels in the theater and hated it would get swayed by the Clone Wars and go back, you know, the prequels are good. They may love the Clone Wars because the Clone Wars is good, but I don't necessarily think it would sway overall like how they feel about the prequels, which is my issue now where they're explaining everything and it's great and cool. This makes more sense, but people either like the sequels or they don't. And I don't necessarily know how much that's going to change, but then they're spending so much time explaining these things and like, oh, the, the, you know, giving covering up plot holes and whatnot. But my, what I'm trying to say is my, I guess, issue would more be there are two types of people watching these shows, right? There are yeah. the people who are already Star Wars fans who probably already have their minds made up on whether or not they like something, and it's you're you're gonna you're probably not going to sway them because. Star Wars fans once we're or people are gonna just hate everything because yeah you're either ready to like it or you just hate something and there you go so you either got that or you've got just the general audience who probably doesn't care enough about you know not to you know paint with a broad brush but just like the general audience who's just there to have a good time who yeah they probably watched a few Star Wars movies but I know a lot of people who watch the Mandalorian and like the Mandalorian and they don't give a shit about the Star Wars movies you know so it's, they just think Baby Grogu's yeah. uh, cute. You're speaking generally, too, because you're right. I think it's important not to, like, paint it with a broad brush here and be like, yeah. everybody's got to go into one of these two camps. Because I th I'm pretty proud of the fact that, like, we don't try to do that, I think, on yeah, no. the show too often. Like, like, like what you like. Like, everyone's a fan if you've seen one thing. We kind of have that mindset, uh, thankfully so, that, yeah, everybody has their own fucking opinions. It's okay. Yeah, you got, different, you got different tastes. Don't be a dick. Like, yeah, just don't be a dick. Yeah. I get what you mean, though, in a general sense. That, that's what I'm saying, though. I don't know how much the general audience who's just there because they think Grogu's cute. Like, not that they 
wouldn't get it. Like, I'm not trying to be like, oh, the journalists, they just wouldn't understand because the general audience is smarter than people get it credit for just with most media. But I think it's more of a, like, I don't know how much they care about explaining away the lore of the sequels because a lot of them probably haven't watched any of the Star Wars movies because they just don't care. They think Grogu's cute and they're just there to see Pedro Pascal or hear Pedro Pascal, you know? And it's also something like, why don't you say this for something else that's not the Mandalorian? Yeah. Let's get back to the Mandalorian, though. Let's talk about our favorite and least favorite moments from the season. What are your favorite, least favorite moments? Uh, favorite moments? I liked uh, when when the Darksaber was broken. I liked the way he did it. I was like, damn, that fucking hurts. Like, she, he crushed it in her hand. That was cool. That was pretty metal. See, that's part I didn't like, because we've seen the Darksaber in so much, mm. and then it just easily gets crushed. Well, why didn't anybody? Yeah, but he's got that? that Superman, Iron Man, you know, Iron Man armor strength. You know, you can crush a. It's a piece of metal. Like no one really has ever tried to crush a lightsaber before with their bare hands. Also, it's not probably completely destroyed as long as the crystal inside is good. I guess yeah. I could recreate it. Sure. I mean, Luke's um, saber got pretty much obliterated. Yeah, like, that thing got split in half, and now you know it was fine in uh in in Rise of Skywalker. You know, yeah. one of many questionable things about that film um <laughs> let me see least favorite moments all favorite moments are a lot of the finale i thought it was cool um least favorite moments i don't know like it was just i don't know stuff like that it's fine there was nothing that it was like egregiously like oh man i can't stand this it's just like oh okay like if if anything that was just that i was neutral on like it's probably just out of my mind like i don't really for all for all of what I'm saying of the show's the best and worst of stars, like yes, it's really fun but really dumb. Like, there's nothing in this that was outrageously offensive enough to me that I'm like, this is my least favorite moment. I was like, oh, okay, cool. There you go. Oh, another we'll say cool moment when Din was first uh, being chased by the pirates in space in the asteroid belt. That whole sequence where he was like hiding behind the asteroids and then blasting them like fucking stealth takedown oh, that was cool. people that was that was dope that was dope as shit that was real cool uh really all of the dog fights i thought were real cool this season um yeah so yeah i don't know it's just they had a lot of cool stuff but nothing that i was like oh, i fucking hate this so yeah favorite moments Pretty much almost all the action sequences I thought were amazing. The hallway fight at the end I thought was great. Again, like we mentioned before, I think the fight choreography is just off the charts for this season. Especially, like, all showcased in that hallway fight with Din. Mm-hmm. Where he's just taking down these Imperial Guards, like, using like what he knows about Beskar armor to his advantage and he's having to pick up weapons as he goes like a fucking video game it's awesome uh you mentioned the dog fights i thought those were all really good too the scene where din comes in with his fellow mandalorians to help navarro and grief is like thank you mando for coming to help and then din uh he mentions like din you're gonna be outnumbered like 10 to 1 and he goes i like those odds like, I know that you do. Cool. And I'm like, that's a fucking Apollo uh, line right there. Like, nice. Like, nice. So good. There's a great one-liners in this show, in this season particularly, from Din, I think. The whole <laughs> the whole reason I love the Jack Black episode is just the banter between Din and Bo the entire episode. Because Din hates 
uh, droids as much as he does. Yeah, and, and that's being petty I feel like that's fuck. that's one of the episodes where you get like some of their best chemistry, where it's like, okay, is there like a vibe here? Like, what's what's going on? He's just being petty as fuck, kicking droids, <laughs> being very just rude towards them, and then when it comes to the uh, species from the Mandalorian season one, I forgot what their names were, and he actually knows how to talk to them. Oh, the Ugnots. The Ugnots. There you go. I thought that was really good. There was that Jedi cameo in episode. Oh four. yeah, uh, Ahmed Best as yeah. a as a Jedi. That was cool. Should I know who the character is? No, it's it, the character's just a. I mean, the, the, it was the actor who was Jar Jar. So they're like, you know what? Okay, yeah, I, like Ahmed Best. Like that's where I was like, oh yeah, that's cool. Which but actually, no, I got a I got a question slash problem with that. So. Dope, first of all, that Padme saw the Jedi Temple being fucked up, and she's like, send my troops over there, we're gonna get some people out. That's dope as shit. Love that, that's really cool. Why were they just trying to save Grogu? That was unclear. It seemed like they're like, we're only just gonna save this little one. Like, there's a lot of children being slaughtered, as we've seen. <laughs> like, Anakin is murdering children. We, can't, we He's the only one we can get out? You know? Yeah, that felt weird. I think he was the only one they found. Eh, maybe, I don't alive. know. The the way that they were, all all the framing around it, like, it felt like this was intentional. Like, we gotta save just this one, you know? Yeah. So that was odd. Shout out to Padme, though. But, I don't think I really have a least favorite moment. Because, again, this season was just really It was inoffensive. Enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. It was inoffensive, nothing bad at all when it comes to quality, I would say. Um... The moment where, again, uh, Bo's just sitting on the throne was just badass. It just strikes out to me, I think. But other than that, man, I thought this was a really solid season. Any final yep. thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, No, I mean, I feel like we said when you say it was a solid season. Like, watch it if you like Star Wars. If you don't like Star Wars, then you weren't going to watch it anyway, so this won't change your mind. Yeah. Oh, one last favorite moment. I forgot here. I brought it up earlier, but I forgot to like get into it. Paz's death was fucking awesome. This dude, that was cool. Just destroyed everybody in his path with every single weapon he can get his hands. It was on. cool that his his gun overheated too. You see that a lot in the games, but that's the first time I feel like we've seen it in live action. He just said, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna beat the shit out of people." <laughs> I don't and need, the I don't need this machine gun. And the Praetorian guards come out like some Victoria's Secret models. Just with that CW <laughs> dare to defy. And they just fucking <laughs> hand him his ass. And even then, like, it sets up the guards as like, oh, alright. That's nothing to fuck with. And he still almost takes one out. Tell you what, though. Tell you what. Makes that scene in The Last Jedi a lot cooler now, doesn't it? And it was, it was already, already one cool. of the best scenes in Star Wars. But it's like, wow. I was already the coolest scene probably in the trilogy. Yeah, but now it's even even more. It's like, damn, these guys are the business. And yeah. and they're just no wonder Kylo Ren needed help. I'm gonna go watch that scene. That was that was good. Take me back to those times. That was a good Star Wars right there. Debatable. But let's move on <laughs> to what are we working on and where can people find us? Kristen, what you working on? Where can people find you? As always, I'm cranking out bangers over at Screen Rant, so 
feel free to check out my page over there because I do get paid per view. Uh, as for where else you can find me, you can catch me on the socials at Bins. That's on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. As for me, you could find me in our Discord, the link for which will be in the description of this very episode. As for what I'm working on, just these podcasts, really, working on Nerdstop Movies, working on Power Up and Game, our gaming news podcast. I'm working on a few episodes of Clash at the Stash, which I'm very excited for. We have a Flash TV series-centric episode coming up here in the next few months with me facing off against Drew in a two-parter. And we also have an upcoming tag team match, the first ever tag team match in the history of Clash of the Stash, when Michael and myself of Power Up and Game go up against the affable chat team. Now that is one I'm looking forward to. I hear you and Drew talk all the time. I don't care about you guys, but you know, <laughs> you and Michael going up against the Affable Chat boys. I tell you what, those are power those up and game versus fellas. Affable Chat. It's podcast versus podcast here. Those those are some entertaining fellas. I I you know had the pleasure of of working with them on uh, an episode of the Super Bracket Bros, and they are some lovely fellas. So I will definitely be tuning in for that one, or maybe I'll be judging. Who's to say? And you know how I mentioned, though, that like The Mandalorian feels like a video game adaptation? It's mm. funny that I say that, because that topic for the tag team match is going to be pitching three video game adaptations to movie or television. Well, see, it all, it's, all, it's all cyclical. You know? It's, it's like cyclical. poetry. It, it rhymes. rhymes. So be on the lookout for that. I'm actually probably going to be posting some stuff in our Discord because we want to get some input from our listeners, from some other members of the team, and from members of our writing team as well because we're trying to beat the affable chat, guys. All right. Damn, damn, damn. You guys are playing playing dirty. We're not trying to lose on our own home turf, all right? I mean, hey, it does look bad. It'd be very funny, but... You know, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't look great. All right. I want to thank Kristen for joining me. I want to thank anyone for listening in. Again, I mentioned about the Discord. You'll find a link in the description. Consider leaving us a rating. It would be amazing if it was a positive one. You got anything to add here, Tristan, before we get out of here? Uh, this is the way. This is the way. Next week on Nerds Talk Movies, we will be... Doing another Star Wars-centric episode as we talk about Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. And we do have a special guest planned for that episode. We do? We do. I didn't tell you. you I will tell you after we're done Uh, here. Oh, okay. Cool. A surprise to be sure, (laughs) but a welcome one. Uh, Fuck, I love Star Wars. It's awesome. But we'll be watching Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, giving a retrospective on that for May the 4th. So, excited for that. I want to thank Tristan for joining me. I want to thank anyone for listening in. We'll see you next week.